Amen. So let's, let's just dig into this this morning, give our full attention to the Word of God, and then we're going to see what God will do this morning. Amen. We're going to look at for a few minutes this title, Faith That Endures. It's one thing to get faith, and we put our confidence in God, but the question is, is it enduring? Is it still as strong as it was at the beginning? Or is it up and down? Or as we see, how many people do we know that once sat in one of these pews, that not anything to do with COVID, but they're, they're, they're not where they should be, and it's because they've lost their faith. Paul talked about some of those that were, at one time they were on fire. and They were in the midst of Paul, one of his closest allies, and they were preaching the Word of God. But then he says, they've turned back from the things of God. And they've turned back. And so there was penalty in their life because of that. But today we're going to look what it takes. And we're going to continue where we left off last week. And Lord willing, next week we're going to finish up these three chapters I struggled with last week. And today we're going to look at... Starting, we're going to take off with uh, Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 36, the very end of where I left off last week, and then we're going to lead into chapter 11, and we're going to look at faith that endures. Chapter 10, verse 36 says, for ye have need of patience, that word as we looked at last week is endurance, that after ye have done the will of God you might receive the promise. Hallelujah. Thankful is, are we that God fulfills His promises. Verse 37 says, For yet a little while, and he that will come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That's where we left off last week. Chapter 11 says in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which, were, which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. Talking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and God, we believe your word. And God, we want, God, as this writer is encouraged the early church, we want to, God, have an enduring faith, God, a faith that God lasts, Almighty God. And I pray that by your mighty power, that God, that you would move with your spirit this morning, you would anoint this preacher, and God, that you would give us the, the word that you want us to hear, and God, that you would stir hearts, and that you would have your way in our lives, that God, we wouldn't just be listeners of your word, but God, it would take root and we'd be doers of your word, and God, that we would walk away from here with such a confidence in you, that we would know, God, you've spoken, and you've got it all under control. God, get us closer, draw us closer in this hour, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you, may be, you may be thinking, you all may be thinking, why in the world is he talking so much lately? All he talks about is faith. All he's talking about is faith. But in the hour that we live in, there's nothing more important than that one word. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Amen. And so we seen last week as 
we finished up this chapter. We looked at the title last week of the assurance of faith. Assurance of faith. Where is your faith? Who is your confidence in this morning? Where is your faith? And we've seen that we could put our confidence in the Lord, right? Amen. Amen. We could put our confidence in the Lord. And this morning, we're going to see that once we have our confidence in the Lord, that it can endure. And we can keep on and keep on until we see Him face to face. That's so important this morning. Hallelujah. The Hebrew writer is encouraging the early church. He's encouraging you this morning to put your faith in Him and don't let go. When I'm I'm looking at this today, I I may have told you this before, I want a visual picture in my mind that he's talking about for faith here is uh, one of my friends when I, I, I used to work with years ago when I was in my, in my teens, I went over to his house and he had a pit bull. And I'd never been around a pit bull. And uh, this guy trained his pit bull to be meaner than I would have wanted him to be. And, and uh, he had a swing set. It caught my attention when I got there. I thought, I didn't think you had any kids. So what do you got this swing set for? And had one of those tire swings on it. And the tire swing, I found out later what the purpose of it was. And he brought his dog out, and it looked like it had a, its head looked like a beast. I mean, it was a bad looking, it was a very strong looking dog, I can put it that way. And he riled the dog up, and he swung that tire out. And that dog took hold of that tire with its teeth. It was hanging by its teeth. He got it tore up and bit into it. And then he just swung the dog. And that dog was swinging, hanging by his teeth. And he's trying to knock him off and everything. And when he was trying to knock him off, that dog, even hanging from the air, not touching the ground, would take his jaws and shake them for a tighter bite. It would bite that tire even tighter, saying, I won't let go. <laughs> I won't let go. You can't, you'd have to kill me to get me off this tire. And that's the way that he's not talking about us being mean. But the picture we're seeing here of faith that endures is one that says, you can't shake me off of God. You can't let, make me let go of God, no matter what you do to me. As Job says, even though you slay me, I won't. I ain't turning my back on you, God. I trust you. I'll trust you till my last breath. And that's the ones that receive the promise that he's talking about. That's the one that receives the, tr- the promise that he's given us. That verse 36 for, says that for ye have need of patience, endurance, yes. that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive, or ye might receive the promise. In other words, he's saying you do what God tells you to do, and that's how you receive the reward that he's promised. You'll get it, but you've got to finish the race. You've got to finish the race. So the key to, to finishing this race is endurance. This race, this spiritual race that you and if you've given your heart to the Lord, the race that you're on is not a sprint. A sprint is the 100-yard dash, and you can go pretty fast for a short period. Uh, anymore, I might be able to go to the first pew really fast, and then it gets a little slower. But uh, at one time, I had a lot more juice, and I could go pretty, pretty effectively. And uh, we can go a little distance, can't we? But then all of a sudden, things start changing, and we find our endurance so this is a race that's it's not who gets there first, it's finish the course. And so the key that we looked at was endurance. And so we're looking at a faith today that will endure till the end. And that's what we're trying to do. I found that I found out, and I've told you this before, but this is trust me, sometimes you have experiences in your life, and it just when you hear a term 
That's what comes back. My, my big first race that I had, I went to a Christian school, a private school, and we competed against a couple of states, and then there was nationals. But of all the other Christian schools when I was in high school, in all kinds of categories, maybe 100, 200 things, everything from uh, the, uh, uh, you know, everything from sports, athletics, to uh, different uh, painting, all kinds of stuff. Everything you can think of, and it was, a big, it was a big deal. And you worked all year for it. Well, I remember my first race. No, we didn't have anybody that really would train us. We, I felt like I, was, I could run pretty fast, so I wanted to run track, and they kind of got me into it. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought the whole thing was just, you know, you know, I played basketball. I felt like I was in pretty good shape. I thought, it, you know, not now, but then I felt about better shape than I am now. And I felt like, well, I think I can do that. And so they got me, I, I was wondering why nobody was signing up for those longer races. But I found out later why they did. <laughs> they wanted those short races. And so, uh, so I remember that to get my point across here, I remember I'd got into that, and it was a quarter mile. Okay, the quarter mile, I didn't run the, the mile, but the quarter mile, I found out later, is not a sprint. The sprint's the 100-yard dash. You run as fast as you can, as hard as you can the whole time. Quarter, now, some Olympians, I'm sure they do that on, the, on, the, on that race. A quarter, but quarter mile doesn't sound long, but it's a long way. So I remember getting in that, in that race, and we lined up across. And, I, of course, your adrenaline's pumping, and you're waiting for that thing to go off, that gun to go off. And, uh, and I didn't want to get embarrassed. And so when that, gu that gun took off, my mind and body said 100-yard dash. <laughs> so I was, I mean, whew, out that, I was out of the gate. And I was, go, I was listening from them, but I knew they was going to be right on my heels, and I couldn't hear anybody until I made that first turn, going on that first turn, and I looked over my shoulder, and that was a mile back. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? And I've told you this. This is embarrassing, but I like to be embarrassing myself sometimes. My wife hates it, but she ain't here, so I'll tell you. Uh, some of the things that when I embarrass myself, I thought, I, I'm a natural track star. I just thought, I'm it. I, I didn't know how good I was, so I'm, I'm off. And I'm like, I'm going to blow their doors off. I didn't realize until that last turn what they were doing and what I should have been doing. I finally realized, wait a minute, this ain't a sprint. Why? Because by the time I got to that last turn, I had 40 concrete blocks in each arm and leg. I had nothing left to take another step. Now, all of a sudden, my ideal, because I hear the comes of Calvary, now my ideal is not just to win, but just to survive to the line. <laughs> just, God, if, don't let me. There's people in these crowds. There's people over watching me. Just let me make it across the finish line. Now, I, I, did, I didn't come in last. Okay, I didn't come in last. I come in fourth. I still made it. But I thought I was going to come in first. And all I was doing at that point was finish the line. Do you know how I finished the line? My eyes had to be. I, if I couldn't see that finish line, if I wouldn't focus and I could go farther, I know I can make it. God help me not to die before I get to that spot. And I made it. Because it was something I, you had to endure. If Sometimes in our Christian race, we come out great coming out of the starting gate. We're on fire. We're reading that Word of God. We're hungry. We're in church every night. We can't do anything but talk about God. That's all we think about. But after a few problems and things goes on, after we have some issues in our marriage, after we have some things with our kids, after we have other things we're facing, all of a sudden we're struggling and we get that concrete block feeling to where, Lord, I don't know if I can take another step. 
Well, the only way we're going to be able to do that is we've got to keep our focus where it should be, and that's on the finish line, which is where our Savior is standing. Verse 37 says, here's why we finish the course. Verse 37 says, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The word we talked about earlier was that where's, where's the coming of the Lord? He's going to come. Just because he hasn't came up to mouth, it's because of the mercy of God. But he's getting ready to come. And the ones that have finished the course, the ones that stay faithful to the end, they're going to receive the reward that he's promised us. That's why we're running this race. It isn't to obtain anything here. That God blesses us while we're here when we serve him. We'll see those things. But there is tests and trials here. Our hope is not here. It's in the eternal. It's in our Savior Jesus Christ. And He is standing there encouraging us, run, because if you, if you run to the end, you'll receive the reward that I have, reward that I have for you. Verse 30, faith tells us, or 38 tells us about this faith. Not only does uh, running going to require endurance, it requires a lifestyle of faith. It says that now the just, that's righteous people, that's given their heart and life to the Lord, shall live by faith. It says that, uh, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. It's saying your life has got to be fully, uh, uh, fully filled with everything you do. You've got to keep looking at me. You can't look at the circumstance. You can't look at what you're facing. You can't look at what's going on. You've got to keep in there. Your life should be summed up by one word, faith. That's what he wants us to do. Amen. So then it takes us in. So we're, that's where our launching uh, part, our launching pad is from our last week to get into this next chapter. Again, remember, the Word of God didn't have chapters when it was written. So we're going to continue on in verse 1 of chapter 11. This verse that you have heard so many times. We've even talked about it before. It says that, uh, uh, that verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Would you permit me to... Let me read it to you in another translation. The New International Version. This makes it just a little easier to understand. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. It's saying that we can put our confidence in something. We can have faith in something that's even contrary to common sense. Some people that you tell them that you, you believe there's a God and your faith is in God and they say you're crazy. Why? Because they can't see Him. They can't see Him. We're good. If you read this chapter and you get toward maybe verse 27 or something, you're going to see this Hebrew writer talks about the invisible God. A God that you cannot see. And we are putting our confidence in faith in someone who we cannot see. But boy, can we have assurance and hope because of what He does in our lives. We don't have to go our whole life and just hoping that something happens. I can tell you as many as you can that the night when I got truly saved, there was such a transformation in me, I could never ever think it could be anything else but a miraculous work from God Himself. Such a transformation happened in my life. I am no longer that person. And when people bring up my past, I tell them that man's dead. And it's true. That man no longer lives. That's not my nature anymore. That's not who I still deal with my uh, 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 nature. But I'm telling you, my, those desires, that life, that, that uh, uh, lack of hope is gone. But my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith that endures 
is based on one thing. Now listen to me, you've got to get this. Faith that endures depends on one thing. That's the source of your hope. Where is the source of your faith coming from? Because you're, the source that you put your faith in that's going to endure must be eternal. Let me try that again. The only faith that I'm talking about is one that's going to endure to the end of time and it's dependent on what your faith is in. And it must be eternal. And that's only one thing. The Lord Jesus Christ. He never changes. He never fails. It can't be. Listen, that's why the stock market, you better not be putting your faith and confidence in the stock market. It's not based on even real gold. The stock market that we now live, the money that's in your pocket, everything that America, we can look and we get the Dow Jones report, and I think they made record highs last week at one point, and it, it's the highest it's ever been. But guess what? It's not even any longer based on real gold in Fort Knox, Kentucky. It doesn't even balance out. So it wouldn't take but a little problem, a little bump in the road, and everything that you would hold on to would just crumble in one day. Don't put your faith in that. People that are trusting that, these people that's making a lot of money in that, they're going every morning, what do they do? They want to see, or even at night, how's the Dow doing? <laughs> how's it going up and down? And our faith is going up and down and up and down. Why? Because they've based it in something not eternal, nothing steadfast. It's based in something that's like sinking sand. So we can't put our faith in that. We have to put ourselves, our faith in something that does not move, that never changes, and there's only one, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that. Hebrews 13, 8 tells us about that, that He doesn't change. Jesus Christ, here He is, the source of our faith. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was, before we knew about Him 2,000 years ago, He was already the same. And then he, when He came on the scene 2,000 years ago, and today we can look back, and it's just as strong and powerful as it was then. Why? He never changes. That's why our faith has got to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, because it never changes. It never fails us. Hallelujah. We see in verse 2, it says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now, what's amazing about this, it's getting this chapter, if you've not read this or haven't read it in a while, I encourage you because, listen, I could spend a month on these people in this. We're going to look at four just a second, four different people. But there, I could spend a month talking about these people because of the incredible faith. Why is their faith so incredible that it's listed in this chapter? Why is their faith so important that the writer of Hebrews is pointing back to it and saying, hey, look at, the, look at this testimony of these people's lives. See, you and I struggle with these, with our lives, 70 or 80 years of living. Maybe, hopefully, I pray all of us live to be 120. But whatever our lifespan is, we struggle sometimes with faith. And we are able to look back not only in our lives and other people's lives, what God has done, but we're able to look back in the Word of God, what God did in other people's lives, and we are able to see the cross 2,000 years ago, the fulfilled final work of the cross, the Lord God coming down in the form of a human body and dying so that we, not having to rely on dead sacrifices could have a relationship with God, and we see the fulfillment of the Word of God. So we have all these testimonies. We have the Word of God to give us faith and confidence, promises to us that He's never going to fail us. We have all these things to put our... And we still struggle with our faith. But the ones that's in this chapter 11, almost without uh, the, the most they had, a lot of them didn't have any Word of God. 
Look, Moses is going to be one we're going to look at, and he was the one who God poured out the first five books, the Pentateuch of the Bible. But we see that they trusted God just because they got a glimpse of God. They got a hold of God. They got a hold of an experience with God. They didn't have the cross. They didn't have the Word of God. And they got a hold of something so powerfully that it says they took it all the way to the end of the finish line. They were looking forward to what we can already look back and see. They were looking forward to it, but they never got to experience it. And so he's going to highlight and says, these are people who hung on to God with both hands, like that dog hanging on to that tire, and they didn't have what you have. They just got a faith in God because they seen who God was. And they seen He could be trusted. And they trusted Him. And so he's encouraging us to be this way. We see that it says that they got a good report. God commended them because you made it. He's standing at the finish line when they got there because they made it to the end and didn't give up. Verse 3, powerful verse. It says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. What's he talking about? He's referring, no doubt, back to this beginning of this first scriptures when you open your Bible where it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and everything he says after that and God spoke and universes appeared the amazing thing about that is when he gets to the part where he makes man that's already done. See, when he made you and I, when he made Adam, he got down with the earth that he had already formed and he took the dirt and he formed it. It's an amazing thing what he did. He took dirt. I used to make mud pies, but they never came alive. I used to make mud pies and they looked good and I actually tried one one time like an idiot and I found out that I definitely wasn't able to do what God did because that was still mud. That was still mud. It looked like peanut butter pie, but it wouldn't. God was able to take the mud of the earth, form it into a man, and he breathed life, and he become a living soul. Wow. But this transcends even that. These verses says that when God, if, could you imagine being there, standing there looking over his shoulder, that he looked out in the vastness of space and there was nothing. And all of a sudden God said, let there be stars. Just the words. No, you know what he made them out of? Nothing. Zero. He didn't take. It's saying here he didn't make them out of anything you could see. See, God, all he has to do is say it. All he's got to do is think it and it's done. Why is that so important? If God can take the God that we serve, that we're talking about putting our faith in, is he's so powerful that in all he has to do is think it and speak it, and it comes to pass when there is nothing there. And it becomes, yeah, it's not there. Hey, what are we, what are we walking on right now? We're, you're sitting on nothing. We're walking on nothing. This earth is spinning on nothing. Have you ever looked at that? How in the world does the world spin in perfect order at the exact ratio that if it got off just one degree that we burn up because of the sun or freeze to death, it's so perfect and yet it's hanging on nothing. And we're standing on nothing. No, it's not nothing. It's the Word of God. 
Everything that you touch and see, it's the Word of God. How does the oceans know where to stay? The Word of God. How does the, how does the, the sun know where to rise and when to come up and down and the stars when to shine and the moon and everything? The Word of God. Everything is the Word. So when you're facing things in your life, well, you don't have to be fearful. We can have faith and endurance because if you get what it says here, God, there ain't nothing God can't do. He don't need any. You don't have to tell Him how to fix it. You don't have to tell Him how to fix the situation that we're in right now. He can do it with nothing. So we can put our faith in Him. We can put our confidence in Him because He can do things that are impossible. He gives us some examples of faith, and, I, and I, I'm going to try to move through these quickly, but I just want to, you just, if, you, if you look back at what God did in these people's lives, first of all, let me say this, give you a disclaimer here. Sometimes we look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we may say, oh man, what a mighty, powerful boy, I wish I had that kind of ability, that I wish I was that super person that had that much faith, but what the word, you're going to find out these people were not flawless people. These people faced the same things me and you did. These people struggled just like me and you did. These people fell on their face just like me and you did. But some, the only difference was somehow they got a revelation of who God was. And it was such a real thing that they got a hold of. It changed everything else in their life. They got a hold of things that they never let go of. You could not get them away from God because they knew, no, 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 no. I trust my God. I know who He is. I don't have to hear Him. I don't have to know. He spoke to me and I'm going to trust Him. And so this morning, as we're looking at these four names, you need to realize you can have faith. They didn't have what you've got. We should have more faith than they've got. We've got we see what God did in their life, and we see how He finished it. We see the outcomes. We see what they don't even see. We see, first of all, here, Noah. What an amazing, uh, mighty man. Let me tell you something before I read this, by the way. Noah, when I'm reading this verse to you, Noah was living in a time that was more, as, well, I will say at least, as sinful as now. In fact, it was horrible. You read the Word of God and it talks about the giants in the land and how the vileness of people's hearts. And they live forever. I mean, they live... Uh, by the way, Noah, uh, uh, Noah is the, his grandfather, Moses Methuselah. He lived to be 969 years old. Noah lived to be 950 years old. When the flood happened, he was 600 years old. So I tell you what, uh, it, it, what an amazing thing. So when you had faith, when God says to about these people, and He tells about and He's talking about faith, Noah carried that faith to the end of the line at 950 years. He didn't let go of God. We see that God looked at the sin of the world and He said He couldn't stand it anymore. Do you understand that there is a time that when God's sin becomes so rampant, and the world rejects God so much that he has to deal with sin. He did it here. He did it in a limited way in Sodom and Gomorrah. He still does it. And today he's promised that there's coming another time when he will deal with sin. We see here that the world was full of sin. Verse 11, Hebrews eleven seven talks about Noah and says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. We see that Noah had an enduring faith that resulted in obedience. See, God came to him. 
If you read the verses before this, if you go back, or not before this, if you go back into Genesis, I think chapter 4 or 5, you will see that Noah, it says God seemed to sin and he was, he was troubled by the sin and he, and he was grieved that he'd even made man and he was going to wipe the, uh, the people off the face of the earth because he couldn't tolerate it anymore. It says, but, don't you love scripture? Those word, that word, but, is such a beautiful word so many times. But, Noah found favor in the sight of God. Imagine a culture, a time that was so much worse than today that when God looked over the entire world, he found one man, one man, one man that was righteous, one. And that's, the, that's another one of the testimonies that God takes care of his people. He takes care of his people. He looks for those that are righteous and he blesses them. He protects them. We see that he came in this verse. We see that he came to, to Noah. And he said to him, I'm getting ready to bring judgment on the whole world. And he gives him instruction, explicit instructions. You've had, you've had favor in my eyes. And here's what I want. He, he told him exactly what to do. You need to build a boat. There's going to be rain coming. He's never seen rain. It doesn't rain at that point. The earth was at that time watered from a mist that came up from the earth. And it watered everything every day. And it kept everything moist. There was no rain. They had no... And so there, there, was, there was probably water, but there was no rain. I'm sure there was water, but there was no rain. And in fact, you can imagine this massive thing that he was going to build. So God told him to build it. Now, if I, if I do my math correctly, this was before Adam, I mean, Noah even had children. Did you know Noah didn't have his first child until he was 500 years old? Talking about a procrastinator. <laughs> this, guy, this guy took his time. And so he was 500, and then he says he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And, but it took 120 years to build the boat. Wow. So we know that at least 20 years before he had his first child, God told him that what he was going to do. So he was already making preparation without any children to even help him. Can you imagine... That, and we also, if you read, I tried to find it. Some of you Bible scholars might be able to help me. But I don't see God coming back and giving him any updates. Anybody know any updates that God gives? No, 120 years. We can't live 70 or 80 years trusting what God says over and over again. And the Word of God, we can refresh your memory. We can hear Him, pray to Him. He can come and move and all these things. And we struggle. And God warned him one time, 120 years before. And it says, He moved with fear. He trusted, he had such a faith in God because of the trust and the confidence he had in him. God told him one time and it changed his entire life. From that moment forward, he did exactly what God, he started making preparation. He's probably cutting down trees and stacking them up. He has children, he has to wait for them to grow. And then finally they're able to help him. And he's, can you imagine, if I've not got to go see the, the exhibit, I, I want to go do that. But if you, I, I can imagine if you go see it, can you imagine somebody with hand tools building that? One little family, one man and three sons. And they had three daughter-in-laws. And I'm sure they helped, they weren't helping build the ark. So four people, Took 120 years to build a boat. Why? Because he had enduring faith. And when he did, and he did what God told him to do, the obedience that he had in his life, because God told him one time, it says at the end of that verse, it says that he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. When he built that ark, and God told him to get on that ark, and those animals followed on, on board, 
and God shut the door, it says that he condemned the world. In, in the New Testament, it says that he was a preacher of righteousness. The life that he lived, telling others why. Can you, first of all, can you imagine? He's building this. Imagine in the middle of a, maybe on top of a big hill somewhere. And he's building this out in the middle of the field. He's not right next to the coast. He's not on the seashore. He's out in the middle of a big field building this massive ship. And people are saying, what are you doing? Is that your new house? No, it's a boat. What's a boat? It's something that floats in water. Well, where's the water? The water is an hour from here. What are you doing? And they think he's crazy. But he says, God told me. And you can be saved too if you'll just listen. They wouldn't listen to him. But we see that when he did what God, his obedience resulted not only in his life being saved, but his entire family. His entire family. How many times do you think that he praised God and they worship God in the middle of that boat as that storm come raging in? And all of a sudden those people that mocked him come knocking on, banging on the boat. Please let us in. We believe you now. But the door was shut and he was sitting there floating and realizing we could have been just like them if I hadn't listened to you. And his kids dad may even have said, Dad, I didn't even know if you really knew what you was talking about. I knew we were doing what you told us to do. But thank God you had enduring faith. Thank God. So he tells us, look at what happened in Noah's life. He held on for 120 years and all the way to the end at 950, he went into eternity still holding on to an enduring faith. We see next, one of the most amazing individuals is Abraham. Abraham had, had an enduring faith that resulted in complete trust. So we, we have trust as long as we can see what God's going to do. But he had trust when God, he couldn't see what God was going to do. We see that God tested him when he said in Hebrews eleven eight 8 through 10, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive as an, for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. Let me stop right there just one second. How many times, how many times if someone had said, Hey, come and got you and said, Come with me. You may start following me and say, where are we going? I'll just trust me. Now, what, no, where are, we going? where are we going? You want to know where you're going. But it says he didn't do that. He went where God told him to do. He trusted God. Verse 9 says, by faith he sojourned. He was a pilgrim. He never got to take the inheritance. He never got to sit there and put down a foundation and build a three-story house and get to see. His eyes weren't on things that were temporal. It says, by faith, he sojourned. He was a pilgrim in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles, tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Here's why he didn't get tore up. Here's why he didn't complain that God, where is this God? How come I can't build my big house? God, how come I have to keep moving around? His eyes were on that finish line. His eyes were on a God. Verse on God. It says, verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So where was he looking? Was he looking down here? Was he looking for the city? That, why was he not tore up? Because he was looking up. Well, there's, where, there's where the foundation is that I'm looking for. God, you promised you got me one. Hey, I, how's it going, God? I'm ready whenever you are. His faith was in the things of eternity. Right. And we see that even today. You look over in the Middle East. And you see the fulfillment of the promise that God made to him is still being poured out. Even when it looked like it had been cast away and they were cast out and they took their land away from him. And about 70 years ago, all of a sudden, it was restored and now they're blessed. And they are fulfilling the word of God that says every step you take, I'm going to give to your people. I'm going to bless your people. They're going to be as the sand of the sea. What an amazing thing. 
that God did. And not only did God, did he trust God to lead him every step he took, he was following him, but he trusted God to provide for him. You see, Abraham already, his dad, hey, he already had uh, blessings coming. He already had an inheritance. He already had things that his dad was leaving for him, but he left it all. He left the comforts of home. He left the pleasures of home and he followed a God and he made his life was inconvenient, but he was looking at God, what he would do. And what did God say about him? He called him friend. He said, this man is my friend. And God blessed him. He provided for him. He also trusted God to fulfill his promise. You see, the greatest thing that God ever did was give him that son. As a, as a miracle, as he was 100 years old, Sarah being 90, and they had a child that God had promised 25 years before. God could have gave it then. God could have, healed, could have raised Lazarus up before he died. He could have raised him up day one. But why did he wait to day four? Why did he wait till Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90? So that nobody could take any glory but God himself. So that everybody that seen that boy was going to say, that has to be God. That had to be God. Look at this glorious thing so that others could see uh, how powerful God. Verse 17 says, we see how he fulfills his promise. Because God put him under the greatest test, even greater than following him, was to give up the very son that he had given him. And we see in verse 17, by faith when he was tried, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. Now wait a minute. Offered up Isaac, that sounds like past tense. It is. But he didn't kill him. What's he talking about? In his heart. He already gave him up. He was coming down. He'd already resolved. If you're going to do something like that, you've got to make your mind up. And in other words, that knife was already coming down in his heart. In his heart, he'd already slayed him. He'd already obeyed what God said. And it says that, and that he had received the promises offered, offering up his only begotten son. Hey, this is a picture of what God's going to do himself. And it says in verse 18, of whom it was said that in Isaac... Shall thy seed be called? Verse 19, this is how he was able to do it. According that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. What's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying that, that, that he had already resolved. He trusted God so much that he remembered that God said through that boy, I'm going to fulfill my promise in you. And he was able to say, you know what? I've seen God fulfill everything he's told me. He told me he was going to bless me. He's blessed me. He told me he was going to give me this boy. Here he is. And God's faithful to that. He did the impossible. Now God's testing me to see if I'll give him back to him. And I know that God said that through that boy, I'm going to fulfill my promises to you. So therefore, if I kill him, God has to be a liar if he don't raise him back up. So I'm going to trust God because he's never failed me yet. He can do the impossible. Why? He can do things out of nothing. He can do things out of nothing. We already seen that faith. That's why it's so important. So he's in his heart, he killed him and he come down. I'm going to do it. His mom's going to kill me, but I'm going to do what God told me to do. And he's coming down with that knife and stop. I see that you're going to do what I told you to do. I was never going to let you do it. I just wanted to see, hey, do you trust me? Do you have a complete trust in me to do things you can't even understand? And God stopped and God supplied a lamb just like he did many years later when he put his own lamb on a cross. We see that Abraham trusted God, fully trusted God to fulfill his promise. In our lives, that's where we get scared. We don't see sometimes how God can do the impossible. And he's going to have to do the impossible. God says, trust me anyway. 
We're going to look at number three. Moses had an endurance. I'm going to try to hurry, but this is just good stuff to me. I don't know. It encourages me anyway. But Moses had an enduring faith that resulted in sacrificial living. Giving up things. Nobody, nobody says amen on that one. Whoa, you mean you got to give up some things sometimes? You mean uh, my faith might make me have to not receive everything I might want, my goals here? That's, that's what we see in, in, in his life and encourages us that God's able to do the miraculous when we give him our all. Verse 24 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he was li- first of all, he's living in Pharaoh's house. He's living in luxury. He has not been killed, but God has spared him because he has a purpose for him. He doesn't know that at that point. But we see that he's living in luxury and anything he wants is his. But it says, When he come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteem, I love this verse. Now, wait a minute. Jesus Christ isn't even, we don't even know his name, but it says here that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He had, he had an awe knowing that when he finished, if he gave up temporary things here, and he gave up all the worldly pleasures that was at his doorstep, he knew that he served a God, that this isn't where life is, it's in eternity. And he says, I give up these things because I want to receive that eternal reward. He put his eyes on the things of God. He stepped back and suffered in this life because he put his trust and confidence in God. He had an enduring faith. He didn't see for another 40 years what God had raised him up to do. But God had a purpose for that boy's life. And that's the reason. He could have never fulfilled it in that palace. He could have never been what God wanted him to be. But he gave it up so that he could humble himself. We, we see that in verse 27, that we see how he was able to do that. It says, for by faith, this is when he's standing before Pharaoh when God calls him to lead his people out. And he was a meek guy. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Who's his eyes on? His eyes is on the Lord Jesus Christ, on God Himself. That's where His confidence is in. And He doesn't want to face Pharaoh. He doesn't want... In fact, when He stands before Pharaoh, how could He do this? He's fearful. He didn't even want to come and talk to Him. He didn't even want to come and do this. He was so meek. And God had to send His brother to help hold His hand to get Him there. But He was able to stand there boldly before Pharaoh. Why? His eyes were not on Pharaoh, but on the invisible God. You know how you're going to get through your trouble? You don't look at the trouble. You don't look at the enemy you face. You don't look at the problems you're up against. You look at the invisible God who is real in your life. He may be invisible to the naked eye, but He's as real in your soul today. And you can know Him greater than you've ever known Him before. He will give you the assurance that He's there and He's working in your life. Amen. And finally, you all say amen. Finally. We, that I want to look at. I'm jumping on down. I, listen, there is. I could spend forever on these. I just picked. Pick some of them because they're, but I love this one. This gives us faith. This gives us a faith when we are not worthy. This one. This is the worst. The one that says, you, no matter what you're going through, no matter where God finds you, 
He can give you a faith that endures. We see Rahab had an enduring faith that resulted in salvation. We see in verse 31 this little verse that says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now this is the word of God. Why didn't they? Why in the world they couldn't they just left that? It could just said by faith Rahab perished not. No, it told about her past. It told of where they were when God came to her. When the opportunity, when faith got a hold of her, she was in the middle of her sin. She was in the middle of the wickedness that she was living. Day by day, she was going on in her life. She was still participating in these activities that she had got her name. This was how she made her way. This is how she paid her bills. But the word had got to her in the entire city about these people, these Hebrews that just crossed the Red Sea, and the sea opened up, and they came across on dry land, and the greatest army in the world was on their heels. And before they could get across, they were slayed because their God shut the sea back up and drowned them all. Now they're at our gates. What are we going to do? Now, there was two responses in that city. Two different ones. This city was a big old city. Huge. And it was something that looked impenetrable. But it's not with God. The same God that can make anything out of nothing can tear down anything with nothing. Just by the word of His mouth. Just the shout of His mouth. And that, that wall came down. But we see here that the spies were sent out to see what was going on. They came in the city. She had heard. Now everybody else heard it. She tells what they're thinking. When these spies come to her house, there's already been a work going on in her life. She heard about these things, about this God, and she had faith in that. That's what I'm looking for. Boy, I wish I could know that God. I wish I could get to know more about that God. The rest of them had a different response. Fear. Oh my goodness. What are we going to do? They were terrified. Their knees were knocking. But she had a response of faith. God knows how to find those who have faith. He came to her door. They came. Spies knocked on her door. And here it is, the answer to her prayer. She wants to know more. And it doesn't, I'm, I'm being a little liberal with the Word of God, but do you believe it happened? How do you, it says that she put her faith in that God. And so they knock on her door and they came in and she realized who they were. And they came trying to, uh, uh, and, but while they were talking to her, they talked to her about the, what was getting ready to happen. And she told them the story. They're all fearful. They're weak. Their knees are knocking. They're terrified because we've heard what God did for you. And all of a sudden, he's saying, God's going to surely deliver into your hands. And she says, please have mercy on me and my family. I want to know more about, I want to serve that God. I want to be with you all. And we see that God had mercy on her. Why? She put her faith. Wait a minute. God could have found a lot of better people in the city. But he found the worst. Why? Because she had faith. You know what that tells us? No matter where God finds you. No matter, don't let the enemy say, you ain't worthy. God can't do a thing in your life. You've done too much. God, you've got to clean this up. You've got to do that. No, you just say, God, let me have faith in you. God, give me the faith I need. God, change my life. And we see that it says that she received them and she put her and her family's life in jeopardy when she hid them 
instead of revealing them when, that, when the city uh, uh, guards come to her door looking for these men. And she hid them and she helped them escape. And when that wall fell down, houses were in the wall. And when that wall came down, and all these men, they was these men that was hidden. It was their job to go straight to that house and find her and her family and to bring her out to salvation. It doesn't end there. You all know, oh, this is beautiful. Man, it's, let me tell you something. God can, ooh, you put your faith in God. There, if anybody that had the most amazing story, it was this woman who didn't know even who God was a day or two before. And now she's put her faith in God has saved her life and her family's life. We look, if you go back into the book, I think Matthew... And you start looking, and you start looking at the lineage of Jesus Christ. Guess whose name you're going to see pop up in that lineage? Rahab. God found her faithful not only to save her, but because of the enduring faith she had, she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. God can do things in your life that you cannot even imagine. So today we see that all these testimonies that should encourage us to have faith that endures because we have more stuff and more knowledge and more experiences and more word and more power and more ability than they ever dreamed of having. They only looked toward it and could see it coming and knew God was faithful to deliver and to send His Messiah. And we were able to see it and experience it and He lives within our heart. How much more should we be faithful to God? And we see lastly, right here, this one verse, that we see that it's necessary to have an enduring faith or we can't even please God. It says in verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God, Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. That means that He exists and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So if you're coming to God, we've got to come to Him with faith in our heart that says, God, I know you who you are. I know you're the one who by the very breath of your mouth can bring universes into existence. I've got a picture. I've got a vision. I've got a hold of you in my heart with both hands, and I know you exist, and I know you're going to reward me and meet my needs, and you're the one that's going to do everything that I need in my life when I seek you with all my heart. God will do it. So today, so today, I encourage you in your faith that instead, if you find that your faith is doing this every once in a while, and we all do that, we all experience that, we've got to find and receive a faith that endures. And it starts by getting a hold and putting our confidence on something immovable that is eternal, and that's the living Son of God. We look up. That's where we're heading. That's where our foundations are. It's right up here. That's where, our, that's, where, that's where your eternal home is. That's where he's waiting. And let me tell you something. You'll never look back. You'll never miss a thing. You'll be saying, Lord, I wish you'd have done this a long time ago. He's only, only holding off right now because of his mercy. His mercy. How many people right now, if the Lord come back this very second, would be left in the pew? How many millions of people that are in churches today. I'm not talking about the ones that are not. I'm, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just saying, how many people that are sitting in churches even this moment, if the Lord come back this very second, would not go? Why? They don't have enduring faith. Why? Their confidence is in something else than the Lord Jesus Christ. They're just going through the motions. Their faith is dead. 
that God wants us to have an assurance in our faith, and he wants us to have an enduring faith. And you can have it today, and I pray that you do. I pray that you uh, get strength in this altar today as we stand this morning. I pray that you receive strength and faith because of who we serve, a God that can do anything, even out of nothing. God can do the impossible. And that's who our faith and confidence is in this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Bow your heads this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you, God, because, Lord, it is you that our faith is in. God, that you are the one that never fails. God, you're the one that says, if you could just see who I am, you wouldn't have any problem worrying about anything else because I'm on the throne. This nothing, nothing shakes me. Nothing troubles me. All things is in my control. I know your life. I've got you in my hands. And Lord, I pray that you give us a faith that endures the test of time. God, I pray you give us a faith that, Lord, as you said in that verse 2, Lord, that they are, Lord, that they're commended when we get to the finish line, that God, when we get to the last breath, that God, as we step into eternity, we find you there bragging and commending on us and saying, Welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. You endured till the end. Oh God, that's how we receive the reward is we've got to finish the course. And God, I pray that by your mighty power, God, that you would encourage us. And God, if there's anybody this morning that they don't know 100% for sure that if they take their last breath today, that they're going to step into their eternal home in heaven. God, let them make sure today. Because, Lord, you still have your mercy extended, Lord, even to this hour. Thank you, Lord. Priscilla, if you would come. If your heads would just stay bowed for just a moment, I just want to ask you. I just need to ask you that this morning. First of all, let me word it that way. Let me just say it this morning. This morning, if you are, I'm going to say it this way. It might be different than you expect. This morning, if you are absolutely 100% sure that if you take your last breath before we walk out that back door, you are for sure God's going to take you home. Raise your hand this morning. Those that are sure this morning. Hallelujah. If that's you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, if you were not able to raise your hand, then I, I know that you can, you can make sure that today, today it is available because the God that we're talking about is right here in this place. Do you believe that? He's right here in this place and He wants to move. Hallelujah. Lord, move with Your mighty presence and Almighty God that before we leave, Lord, that there would be 100% that could stand boldly with their hands raised high. I'm ready to go. Why? My faith is in on the invisible God. Hallelujah. And I, my heart, I trust Him. This morning, I'm going to open up this altar. First, I want to open up this altar. And if it's you, be bold and receive what God has for you. God's waiting. God's Spirit is in this place. God wants to make you sure This morning, first of all, if you were not able to raise your hand, that you would come up front, be bold, and come forward and say, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my life is ready, that my heart is ready, and I need a Savior. And today, He waits those that will call on Him. He's faithful. He will deliver. He will change your life. He will give you the assurance you're looking for as, we, uh, as this altar is open. Anybody this morning willing to come and come and stand in this altar and say, I want to leave. I want to leave changed. I want to leave with assurance in my heart. 
this morning. Hallelujah. This altar is open just like that door on that ark was open for a period of time. But there was a time when the door closed. And this morning there's another opportunity for us to come into His presence. To come and receive the salvation that He has for us. Anybody this morning needing that assurance. If you couldn't raise your hand, this altar is here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't leave. Don't wait. Don't hope. And hope on something that's up and down. But put your hope in the eternal Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rest of us this morning. Lord, as we're waiting to see if others will come. The rest of you this morning. I want you to come this morning. If you're willing to say. Making a proclamation. God, I come here and I put my complete test. Lord, I want to let you give me an enduring faith. That my last breath. That my last breath. I see you. Oh, that my last breath. That God, when I take my last one and step into eternity. That Lord, I determine that you're going to be standing there. You're going to give the reward the promise that you have promised you're going to be the one that's going to reward all the things that we endure here I put my confidence in you this morning if you want to make that statement here I am hallelujah I would think everybody would be able to make that proclamation this morning I would think others would want to say God here I am I'm standing fast in your presence I'm standing fast Lord I'm determined that God I'm going to have a faith that endures give me a faith God God keep my eyes on you Keep my eyes on You, Lord, because You're our help. You're our strength. You're our deliverer. Almighty God, move, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we put our confidence in You. God, we put our confidence in You, Lord. God, we know, God, that You can do anything. God, we're not looking at circumstances. But God, we're looking at You. God, stir us. God, get a hold of us. God, shake us, Lord. God, that there be such a, Lord, an outpouring of our spirit. Almighty God, a hunger for You. God, we be changed. We be stirred. Almighty God, do it, Lord. Almighty God, we trust in You.